Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning prosecutors file manslaughter charges in a stand your ground case and injuries, but no deaths as a car rams people outside London Parliament. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So we're going to talk about that stand your ground case. I want to give both sides to the issue and then get your take next. And good Tuesday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. Prosecutors in Pinellas County have filed manslaughter charges against Michael Draca, the man who shot and killed Marquise McLaughlin in a dispute over a parking space. There was outrage when the sheriff refused to make an arrest after the shooting, citing Florida's stand-your-ground law. The Tallahassee gun lobbyist and former NRA President Marion Hammer says this was never about the law. This case is about the facts of the case, not about the text of the law. Democrats say this case demonstrates the need for a change in stand-your-ground or an outright repeal, but Hammer says the law is working and the politicians should hold their fire until all the facts come out. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Yeah, we're going to get more into that in this half hour. There's a couple of different takes, one which the sheriff had originally was that stand your ground applies here, so we're not going to arrest him. The prosecutors say stand your ground does not apply here for specific reasons, and I'm going to get into both of these sides uh, later this half hour. Excellent, and I will make sure I continue to bring you uh, other angles from the story from his yeah. parents, You know their reaction um, to other reaction of other state officials. Yep. Sounds good. You got it. Ed, the other big story today is coming from overseas where police in London are investigating after a man drove his car into a group of people. NBC's Bill Neely is on the scene. They still won't say if it was terror related, but they say at 7.37 exactly, a man drove his car into security barriers outside the Houses of Parliament. Dozens of officers surrounded the car and arrested the driver. A number of pedestrians are injured, but officers don't believe anyone has life-threatening injuries. The crash uh, during the morning rush hour happened in the same area where a man killed five people in March of last year. In that case, he plowed his car into a group of people killing four and got out and stabbed another person to death before being shot by authorities. Police say that attack was terrorism, but they don't know yet if what happened today was a terrorist attack. Out west, a New Mexico judge is allowing bond for five adults accused of child abuse at a compound allegedly used to train kids to carry out school shootings. The judge in Taos County rejected a motion to hold the five defendants. He set a $20,000 bond for each of them if they agree to be on house arrest and GPS monitoring. Prosecutors revealed more details about the death of a three-year-old boy at the compound. They claimed the boy died during a religious ceremony meant to rid the toddler's body of demonic spirits. Eleven other children rescued at the compound earlier this month were reportedly told that the toddler was going to be resurrected as Jesus. That is as scary as it gets. It really is. Yeah. It, you know, because school shootings are scary enough when you're trying to stay on top of um, a troubled student, much less thinking of terrorists, thinking of children as to be weaponized. Yeah, I mean, that... that... That's course, a whole different angle to this. It, it is. It's something that you see overseas. Right. You know, using It's just outside of the realm of. And you know, the anti-terrorism forces in this country are going to be looking into that. The FBI, the CIA, stuff like that. They're going to be thinking, 
geez, terrorists, have they yeah. really been wanting to target schools? And yeah. how are they wanting to do it? Exactly, because it's just like uh, passenger planes. Prior to 9-11, it wasn't something that was weaponized. Right. And then our whole thinking had to change after that. Well, we're sticking out west where, unfortunately, California fire officials say a firefighter has died while battling the Mendocino Complex fire. A sheriff revealed as many details as he could at a press conference late Monday night. Authorities are still investigating the reason for the firefighter's death and have not yet identified the man. Officials say the Mendocino Complex fire has now burned more than 349,000 acres, the biggest uh, wildfire ever in California history, and that full containment is not expected until September 1st. And finally, oh, yay, oh, joy. Omarosa's new tell-all book is being released today. (laughs) In the book, Unhinged, an insider's account of the Trump White House, the former Trump White House staffer and reality TV star, Mm -hmm. blasts the Trump administration. The publisher of the book, Gallery Books, has promised, quote, an explosive, end quote, end quote, jaw-dropping account of uh, what Manigault Newman saw in the West Wing. For his part, the president is rejecting uh, her claim that she's heard tapes of him using a racial slur on Trump, uh, on Twitter, rather. Trump said uh, Apprentice creator Mark Burnett told him there are no such tapes. He added that he's never had that word in his vocabulary. The president also called Omarosa wacky and deranged. She She's really good at being the villain. Oh, I mean, apparently she wasn't The Apprentice. I didn't watch that show, but I've never <laughs> seen someone that everyone on both sides hates. Hates. Absolutely. And to hire her to be an ambassador right? to anybody other than pawn scum, I, I didn't get. Yeah, Every, I She's a villain. She's like the worst human being on the planet. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Oh, I do. <laughs> the worst human being on the planet. Bob. I don't think that's too much of a stretch, Paul, do you? I mean, seriously. Um, She's definitely fighting for the title. I mean, really. I'll say that. <laughs> and she's real close to winning it, too. She really is. But she huh? was somebody Trump loved. He 15 years, and he hired her over and over and over I again. I know, but still. But he said the other day, it's because she said nice things yeah. about him. Well, he said that yesterday in a tweet. Yeah. Yeah, well, that and he said that she begged him and she had tears in her eyes. And... It's like reality I said, TV. It, I think they're it, it both right. It just happens to be in the White House. <laughs> That's what it sounds it, like. What, this is, okay. And now I go cry. WFLA News Time at 6.07. Read about a report saying this will make you cry. Google tracks users even if you turn off location history. Oh, yeah. We all know this, but it just goes to show no matter what reassurances. Exactly. No <laughs> matter where, hi, no. Google. I wake up in the morning and yeah. I say, hi, Google. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I saw this um, I saw this meme one time where they were like, oh, I got to be careful or, or they'll track what I'm saying. The government will track me. And then there's the next scene is, hi, government tracker. Can you tell me the best recipe? <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'm with you, Mike. Let's just give it up. But <laughs> you can get the details for yourself at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Yes, this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud's on vacation this week, but we still have Deborah Roberts giving you the news. At the top and bottom of every hour, we have Paul, who is producing, and Steph screening your calls at 
5,400. So this has been a big story here in Florida uh, for the past few weeks, something we've talked about many times on the show. Definitely want to get your take on it. The fact that Deborah Roberts brought you the news just a second ago. Stop Stop blaming me. (laughs) That the prosecutor... Yeah, it's all, it's all your fault, Deb. Yeah. It's all I, your fault. I'm reading the text line right now. Don't worry about it. I got it. <laughs> uh, the prosecutor uh, in, in the Stand Your Ground case in, uh, in Southern Florida decided to charge the guy with manslaughter. We'll give you more details and my take on this. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Yes, here's that top story for you right now. The man who said he feared for his life when he shot and killed Marquise McLaughlin outside a Clearwater convenience store last month is now charged with manslaughter. At the time, Pinellas County Sheriff Bob Gualtieri said he couldn't arrest the shooter, Michael Draca, because there was a claim of self-defense under the state's standard ground law. State Attorney Bernie McCabe announced yesterday that prosecutors reviewed everything and filed the charge they think they can prove. The 48-year-old Draca was booked into Pinellas County Jail and was being held in lieu of $100,000 bail. Updates on our top stories every 10 minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. News, weather, traffic. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So when I heard the news yesterday that the prosecutor came out and charged uh, Draca with manslaughter... Frankly, I was not too surprised. It was one of those things that I actually believed could go either way. Now, when the sheriff, he was saying it's stand your ground, part of the reason he was doing that was to protect himself. He did not want to be held liable in any way if stand your ground could be used here. But the prosecutor came out and they looked at all the evidence and they said, we have to charge him with manslaughter. It's interesting, though. They did charge him with manslaughter and not murder. I think part of the reason they did that is there's past cases, you know, Casey Anthony being one of them, where some people out there feel like they overcharged and that's why those people got off. So in this case, I could see why, well, we have to go for manslaughter. We can't go for murder for that reason. Now, there's two different sides to this, whether he could use stand your ground. And if you haven't heard the story, I don't know how you could have missed it. It's been all over the news, especially in Florida for the past couple weeks. But what happened, and the video is posted everywhere, it's on our website as well, is Michael Draca was getting into an argument with Marquise McLaughlin's partner, girlfriend, about parking in a handicap space. Well, Marquise McLaughlin came out and physically pushed him to the ground and then started to back away a little bit. And that's when Draca shot and killed him. You can look at the video for yourself. It's everywhere. It's on our website, 21025wfla.com. Now, when this case first came out, we asked our own attorney, Jeff Kaufman, who does legal briefs with, with Deb every Wednesday at 840. We asked him what his opinion was on this. Is this stand your ground or should he be charged? Well, he had a passionate take and a very interesting take. And uh, Paul, go ahead and play the audio. This is what he said when that happened. Let me make this clear to everybody out there in Florida and most states. 
anytime you lay your hands on somebody, you know, you might get shot and you might deserve to get shot. In the state of Florida, if you're in, if they've changed the law a little bit to encompass a fear element, but if I'm standing out in public and somebody puts, and, and I'm smaller than somebody or anything, and you lay your hands and knock me down on purpose, physically assault me, you know, and I pull a gun and I'm concerned and I shoot you, hey, so sorry, you shouldn't have done that. And when somebody says, oh, well, he might have been turning, you're going to look at the totality of the facts here. The guy came out there, said, hey, listen, I don't know why you're parking in the handicap spot. You're not supposed to be. And it was physically assaulted. This wasn't an argument. This wasn't, hey, listen, I disagree with you. No, I not only disagree with you, but I'm going to knock you over. I'm going to I'm going to make a physical attempt to tell you exactly how I feel. And guess what? Uh, I feel bad for the family, but when you hit somebody or do something like that, expect to get shot in the state of Florida. All right, 407-916-5400. Do you agree with his take there? What's interesting, though, is there's another prominent lawyer known in Florida named Mark O'Mara. You might remember him, say, from the Zimmerman case. He actually defended George Zimmerman. Now, remember, in that case, stand your ground was not used. Self-defense was used. But Mark O'Mara was asked about this on CNN recently. And remember, this is not an anti-gun guy. Obviously, he defended George Zimmerman. But he has a different take than Jeff Kaufman and actually really makes a good point. This is what he said on CNN. McLaughlin was the initial aggressor in that he started the physical confrontation. Having said that, he also backed off after that. And I don't think that the shooter at that point gets to shoot, as you say, and as I said, uh, in retribution. I don't I have a tough time believing that even though he was on the ground, that he was in reasonable fear of imminent great bodily injury. Everything else aside, we do need to look at it from Dreska's perspective. Are you in reasonable fear at that moment of ongoing imminent great bodily harm? And quite honestly, I don't think the tape shows it, even presuming the way a person looks, reacts, and interprets things when they're in the middle of a physical confrontation. I found that take very interesting, pretty much because of the person it was coming from. This is a guy who defended George Zimmerman and won that case. This is obviously someone who is, you know, not against self-defense, not against the Second Amendment, not against guns, who looks at the video in this case, who looks at the details in this case and says, um, stand your ground cannot be used here because Marquise was backing away. It's hard to say this guy felt his life was in danger when the physical altercation was over and this guy was backing away. What do you think? Which side do you agree with? 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. I'm going to give you my take in a sec. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 102.5 WFLA. So I'm getting a lot of different text messages in on this case, on this stand your ground case that we've been talking about this morning. Um, uh, a lot of different sides to this actually on the text line. So let's go over what some of the texts are. One person said this, said, ever since I saw the video of the Clearwater shooting, I didn't think that the stand your ground law would apply. 
The guy got pushed for verbally assaulting the woman and went straight for his gun without assessing the situation. But another person says this, says, but how did he know he wasn't in danger? The girlfriend was stepping out of the car and the man came out of nowhere and body slammed him. He didn't have a video to watch to make a decision. Another person says this, which I found really interesting, and this is something that I hope Deborah Roberts asks Jeff Kaufman tomorrow, says, if you look up the definition of manslaughter, I think you'll find that the crime does not fit this guy's actions in Clearwater. That's definitely more someone who has legal expertise. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know if manslaughter is the specific right charge here. Maybe it should be murder. That's something I hope Deb asks Jeff Kaufman tomorrow. Getting a bunch of people, though, that think stand your ground really doesn't apply here. My take on the case is this. I honestly believe it could go either way. If I were on the jury and I saw that video, it would be hard for me not to charge the guy with manslaughter because of what Mark O'Mara said in that statement. It's hard for me to believe that this guy really felt his life was in danger when the other guy was backing away. Not only that, but this guy, Michael Draca, has a history of being belligerent, has a history of kind of showing off his gun in different things. When you take all of those facts into account, it's hard for me not to believe that the jury, if I were on that jury, to uh, charge him with manslaughter. That being said, you have to remember in these cases, it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt. And when it's beyond a reasonable doubt, that's hard to prove sometimes. And there is a little bit of doubt there, as can be said by the sheriff at the time. He had doubt. That's why he didn't charge him originally. So when you're looking at the case... From a legal standpoint, I actually believe this could go either way. I really do. Let's take a call here. Let's go to Tony in Orlando. Tony, what do you think about this? I think the whole thing is ridiculous, Michael. I mean, what do you get? That, this is not what, if you're surrounded by three, four guys, all right. A guy, guy punches you, whatever happened to fighting? Guy punches okay. you, you get up and you punch him back. You go, go toe-to-toe. If, you, if you're a punk and you can't, you get up and you run. You don't shoot the guy. All right. I mean, if I, if yeah, there's I a lot of people who agree with you. You know, yeah. I mean, if I, if every time I got into a fight, I didn't think I could go in. I shot the guy. I, I would have shot about fifty people. <laughs> what are you kidding me? Yeah, not yeah, good point. I, I love when Tony calls. He's just straight to the point. I, I kind of agree with him. I mean, I think we've a lot. I see a lot of instances, and this isn't about Florida or about stand your ground at all. But even just regular life, I see a lot of instances where people, because they're afraid of getting their butts kicked feel like they have the right to shoot somebody. Yeah, although... Like, just take the butt whooping. Although, run. you can you can get your butt kicked and be killed. You can yes, be you assaulted can. and you be can. killed. You're absolutely right. You which, can. Which is why, you know, sometimes stand your ground applies in these different situations. Yeah. But uh, Tony... I love when Tony calls. He's just like, what? Just yeah. kick his butt. If just you're get up and brawl, punch him back. Different scenario. <laughs> All right. Um, but I really... Th- I don't, Do you agree with me that this case could go either way because of the reasonable doubt factor? Um, inside the courtroom, I do I believe it could go either way. I mean, that's what the court is designed to do yeah, because exactly. of reasonable doubt. Um, but to me personally, it's obvious. It's not a stand your ground case. It's, right. Well, that's, he, that's what the prosecutors believe. Yeah. So that's what the prosecutors are doing. All right. Deborah Roberts, uh, who's going to update us more on that story at the bottom of the hour and much more and doesn't want me to interrupt her newscast anymore. So we're going to get to the break right now at 630 here on Good Morning Orlando. 
Well, it's been the top story for us this morning so far, Deb. The fact that prosecutors have filed manslaughter charges in a stand your ground case in southern Florida. And you have more on that right now for us. Yeah, prosecutors have rejected Michael Draca's claim of self-defense in the fatal shooting of Marquise McLaughlin in Clearwater. He's been arrested and charged with manslaughter. And our Ray lobbyist Marion Hammer is hoping this will take some of the politics out of the case. This has become a political issue and we need to leave politics out of the day-to-day actions of law enforcement. Democrats have seized on the shooting to attack Florida's stand-your-ground law, but Hammer says they shot themselves in the foot by demanding a special session to repeal it. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. School is underway for the vast majority of Florida students, but classes resume today in two counties, Polk and Clay. AAA's Matt Nasworthy says this is an especially dangerous time on the roads as students and parents get used to new routes and routines. Paying particular attention when you're going through school zones, making sure obviously you're going by the 15 mile an hour speed limit, but then also making sure that you know, you're looking and being aware of all of those pedestrians and bicyclists that are in and around those schools. Nasworthy says make sure you educate your teen drivers about the rules of the road around schools as well. Students in most of the uh, rest of the state school districts will head back to school today and Wednesday. Students in two counties, though, Miami-Dade and Hamilton, won't go back to school until next Monday. And finally, a new security measure at Orange County Schools may not be a constant presence. The sheriff's office had a school resource officer at every school yesterday morning, but there's no word on how long those officers remained on campus. A spokesman says Sheriff Jerry Demings temporarily transferred officers from other departments to add more manpower to the SRO unit. Demings has said before that that fully staffing all the schools with SROs would cost $13 million. And you can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Yes, and Gina now joins us from New York City. Good morning, Gina. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm well. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. So how are the futures doing this morning? They look pretty good. Looks like we're headed for a higher Wall Street open. Investors continue to monitor Turkey's economic troubles. But for now, some calm has returned to stocks. They were lower yesterday. We had some weakness in energy for one. Also lower financials. And in the end, the Dow was down 125 points to 25,188. The S&P was down 11, or about four-tenths percent to 28.22. The Nasdaq dropped 19 to 78.20. And we had the Bloomberg Orlando Index down about six-tenths percent. So there's so many places in Florida that I drive now that I remember used to have orange groves everywhere and are now they're not there. They're full mm. of houses. <laughs> it seems like the orange industry has struggled here in Florida, but you actually have some good news for Florida's orange growers. Tell us about that, Gina. It is encouraging after enduring pestilence and a deadly hurricane. Florida's orange growers are finally catching a break. Trader and analyst estimates say that in the season that starts October 1st, the state may reap 70 million boxes of oranges. That compares with almost 45 million the prior year. Better weather is helping, and more growers are developing methods to fight citrus greening disease. 70 million boxes would be the best in three years. A box weighs 90 pounds. 90 pounds. Wow. <laughs> I did not know that. All right. And, um, and uh, you also have some good news uh, for Home Depot. 
Yeah, Home Depot investors are going to like this news. That company is ringing up some gains in pre-market trading after boosting its full-year earnings forecast. And earnings and revenue in the latest quarter beat analyst estimates. Here in the U.S., sales grew 8.1%, surpassing projections. And this, again, is welcome news for investors after results disappointed in the previous quarter with the longer winter pushing off outdoor renovations. And some more good news. Small businesses say they are optimistic. Why are they optimistic? They are. A gauge of uh, optimism among the nation's small business owners rose to the second highest on record. And the rosy view comes as companies benefited from tax cuts and robust consumer demand, according to the latest survey from the National Federation of Independent Businesses. All right, Gina Cervetti from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you, Gina. All righty, take care. So uh, the reality TV show that is the Omarosa versus Trump scandal continues in Washington, D.C. No, no, it's season two of the White House. Oh, season two of the White House. Season two of the White House. And I I talked about this yesterday, and more details have surfaced since then. So we're going to talk about that next, and we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So yesterday when I talked about this story, it's been big story since over the weekend, Although, in a lot of ways, it's really not not a big story. It's almost just a story you have to laugh at for entertainment purposes. But this whole spat between Omarosa, who was on The Apprentice with Trump, and, of course, President Trump continues on because Omarosa was fired. She used to love Trump, praised Trump to the hill to every day. And now, all of a sudden, Trump is a racist. And I talked about yesterday how... Really, when I step back and I look at this whole thing, neither side has credibility on this issue. And in fact, I'm noticing, and I said this yesterday, I'm noticing a lot of people in the media and a lot of people on the left who are even saying, yeah, we don't like Trump, but Omarosa's crazy. So Omarosa, who was apparently a villain type figure in The Apprentice, I admitted before, I never actually watched that show because, frankly, I, I hate reality TV. It just annoys me, and for the most part, it's not real. But President Trump tweeted out yesterday, said Wait, this. what? It's not real? No. Oh, my God. It's, so much of that is fake. Trust me. <laughs> I know. He, he knew this already. Um, so Trump tweeted this out yesterday. Has a new nickname for Omarosa. Always got to have the nickname. It says, Wacky Omarosa who got fired three times on The Apprentice, now got fired for the last time. She never made it, never will. She begged me for a job, tears in her eyes. I said, okay. People in the White House hated her. She was vicious, but not smart. I would rarely see her, but heard really bad things. Nasty people and would con- and would constantly, oh, nasty to people and would constantly miss meetings and work. When General Kelly came on board, he told me she was a loser and nothing but problems. I told him to try working it out if possible because she only had said great things about me. So now you know how to get a job in the Trump administration, (laughs) say great things about the president, until she got fired. So Trump coming out and saying all these negative things about Omarosa, saying she was crazy, all this stuff. 
And now she's wacky Omarosa. Unfortunately, Trump doesn't have much credibility on this either. Because Omarosa taped a phone call with President Trump after she got fired. And this, when I heard this yesterday, I, I, just, I just started laughing. I just couldn't believe, I can't believe what I'm hearing of what's coming out of the White House with all of this stuff. Here, here is some of the phone call yesterday. Omarosa, what's going on? I just saw on the news that you're thinking about leaving. What happened? General Kelly, General Kelly came to me and said that you guys wanted me to leave. No, I, I, nobody even told me about it. Nobody, wow. You know, they run a big operation, but I didn't know it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Damn it. I don't love you leaving at all. Trump sounds really upset there. He even said, you know, he says, damn it. <laughs> and he sounds really sad. So there's only two explanations for that. One, Trump knew and just wanted to butter up Omarosa afterwards, which doesn't make Trump look good. Or Trump really didn't know, which is possible. And that also does not make Trump look good. Nope. I'm sorry. Trump does not come off looking good in this situation. But Omarosa doesn't either. My favorite part was, you know, they run a big operation. <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. It's called the federal government, the executive branch. I know I, I'm a Trump supporter. I support a lot of Trump's policies. But stuff like this, I mean, in some ways, it's just entertaining, honestly. It's just almost a distraction to some of the hard news because it's like a reality TV show. Now, there is a serious angle to this. And that's the fact that Omarosa taped someone in the Situation Room, which is a big no-no and a big national security threat. Now, I happen to hear Dana Perino, who is on Fox News a lot. She also is on Fox News The Five, and she was also the press secretary to George W. Bush years ago. She commented on this whole situation yesterday and about how serious that portion of the situation is, the fact that she recorded in the Situation Room in the White House. And I think she makes a lot of sense on that. Here's what she said. Even if she didn't think that the president of the United States of America deserved better than this, certainly the American people do. And it puts our entire national security at risk. Like, I don't know how you know, Russians get in here into this phone, but they do. And it's just, that's why you have lockers outside of the Situation Room. And there must have been enough concern. Remember the stories about the White House being told you no more, you no longer can bring personal devices mm-hmm. into the White House. You had to leave them in your car or leave them at home. Um, there must have been more concern about her. The White House is being, I think, quite restrained and talking about uh, the reasons for her departure. I was shocked that she had a recording in the Situation Room. I also think that it was wrong to air it. I, I, I don't think that we should encourage any of this. She looks terrible for doing this, and I'm sorry that it happened to all of us. I think that she, what she did was not just to the president, but to the American people. So yesterday when I was watching some of the media coverage of this, they were talking to people who had worked in the White House, and apparently for years in the White House, it's pretty much been an honor system where before you go in the situation room, they expect you to put things in a locker, cubby type thing, and you don't have recording devices or cell phones or anything in the situation room. She obviously broke that trust, and that's a huge national security issue. So Omarosa is just as guilty here as anyone. What she did is definitely not called for and definitely should not happen. 
But unfortunately, like I said, neither side has real credibility here because Trump looks bad for hiring her and Trump looks bad for, you know, <laughs> that phone for, call. For lying about not knowing she was being fired. Well, if he, we don't even know if he lied. He maybe did not know. That's true. That's possible. It's very possible. It's he very sounded possible. very sincere there, honestly, when I listened to that tape. So I, I don't know. <laughs> but didn't the, um, well, no, she was asking General Kelly if Trump knew. And General Kelly kept saying, I'm not going to talk to you about whether he knows or not. Yeah. I mean, and that kind of stuff does kind of happen. I don't think General Kelly necessarily handled that wrong because no, chief of all. staff, that's what they do. Yeah. But the fact that Trump wouldn't know about something that ended up being a big story and then Call sounds so upset and now is like criticizing her, I, I don't know. 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. So Peter Strzok, that infamous FBI agent, is finally fired. Took long enough. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So one of the other top stories of yesterday, a lot of news broke yesterday, believe it or not. I'm trying to cover it all and trying to get into some of the in-depth stuff. But one of the stories that was big yesterday was the fact that Peter Strzok, who was that FBI agent, that infamous FBI agent who had those negative text messages to his lover, who he's having an affair with, Lisa Page, during the investigation into the Trump campaign. Now, the inspector general came out and said this guy acted completely unethically. Well, he was finally fired yesterday by the FBI. A lot of people have been calling for this for months. I had wondered what had taken so long. Um, Before I get to my take on this, though, I happen to hear Alan Dershowitz, who's a Democrat, and he kind of is in the middle even on this issue. But I thought he had an interesting take on this yesterday on the idea of Peter Strzok being fired. He was on Tucker Carlson last night, and this is what he said about him being fired. Well, personally, I'm sympathetic to Strzok. He was an excellent FBI agent for years in counterintelligence. He made a very, very serious mistake. The mistake was not opposing Trump. He's allowed to do that under the Hatch Act and other statutes. He's allowed to express any views he wants. His big mistake was not recusing himself. When he was tweeting that he's going to make sure that Trump doesn't become president, that he has an insurance policy, it was clear at that point that he could not be perceived as being fair and just. And so by not recusing himself, I think he violated his position of trust. I wouldn't go too far and blame it on the very top authorities of the FBI. They didn't know. And when they did know, they did demote him and take him out of the investigation. So I think it's a blemish, but I don't think it's a fatal flaw in the investigation. I think there are there are deeper and more fatal flaws. But personal sympathy for Strzok, but ultimately I think it was the right decision. Now, Strzok and his lawyer have come out and basically said this was a political decision and he's only being fired for political reasons. One thing I have to say about this, for all those who are against him being fired, don't forget that it was Mueller himself who, after seeing these text messages, also decided, hey, you can't be on this investigation anymore. Yeah. 
So and, even Mueller was like, dude, you are way too biased to be on this investigation. Get off my team. Well, I think I think Dershowitz said one key word in what he was talking about, and that word was perceive. We can, many of us have biases, even against our bosses at our jobs, but still are able to perform our jobs effectively and to the best of our ability. But it's the perception of bias that matters. And I think that's what in Mueller- In a position like that. Yeah, and I think that's what Mueller and that's what the FBI directors were considering here. And then, of course, you know, his lawyers are upset because they had an agreement that they were going to have a 60-day suspension and so on and so forth, and then for him to just come out and get fired like that. That's the reason they feel it's political. Well, well, yeah. I mean, the lawyer is obviously going to defend Strzok. That's his job to do that. Um, but, yeah, and there is some evidence that um, it affected his investigation. There are some evidence that he stalled on some of the Hillary and Clinton investigation because he was focused on different things with Trump and all that stuff. That stuff we've gone over in the show before, but I think it was the right decision. All right, Deborah Roberts is about to come into the studio. She has the latest on that story of prosecutors filing manslaughter charges in a stand your ground case. And the governor declares a red tide state of emergency. It's 6.59 here on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, prosecutors file manslaughter charges in a stand-your-ground case. And the governor declares a red-tide state of emergency. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So are the Democrats, the politicians in Washington, D.C., are they taking some of their voters for granted? We're going to talk about that this half hour. And good Tuesday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 1025. The arrest of a man in a deadly and controversial shooting is a step toward justice. That's what former 2nd District Congresswoman Gwen Graham said yesterday after Michael Draco was charged with manslaughter for killing Marquise McLaughlin. Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum says he's relieved that charges were filed. Gillum and Graham are Democrats running for governor, and they say the law needs to be suspended or repealed. State Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam, who's also running for governor for the Republican ticket, says he continues to support the Stand Your Ground law, but he's open to technical changes that give law enforcement uh, better direction. If there are adjustments that need to be made that provide clarification for our rank-and-file law enforcement officials who are having to make these decisions on the spot, I'm all for it. But make no mistake, I support Stand Your Ground. It's good for Florida. Putnam says he supports the Pinellas Pasco State Attorney's decision to prosecute Draca. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. While the shooter claims he feared for his life, the state prosecutor says the evidence led him to a different conclusion. Again, Michael Draco was charged with manslaughter yesterday for last month's shooting death of Marquise McLaughlin in Pinellas County. Uh, Draco shot McLaughlin after McLaughlin shoved him to the ground during an argument, and Draco claims he shot in self-defense. Court documents, though, show the two were 12 feet apart, and McLaughlin was backing up and turning away from Draco when he was shot. So tomorrow you have your legal briefs segment with Jeff Kaufman. Oh, you already know what we're going to be so, talking about. Yeah, I'm very curious what he's going to say about this. So people will definitely want to tune in tomorrow. And I talked about this in depth in the 6 o'clock hour. If anyone missed that, I'll post the podcast of the whole show later today. All right. And also, uh, we're going to continue to follow this case and we'll bring you any other breaking news that, as right. it pertains of to course. it. Of course. 
Well, a state of emergency is now in effect for seven Florida Gulf Coast counties due to the impact of red tide. Governor Rick Scott's order applies to Collier, Lee, Charlotte, Sarasota, Manatee, Hillsborough, and Pinellas counties. The ongoing algae bloom has led to the deaths of thousands of fish and other marine life and respiratory problems for people. The governor's declaration releases state funding to fight the problem. The order also makes additional Fish and Wildlife Commission biologists and scientists available to assist in cleanup and animal rescue efforts. In the meantime, two more dolphins are found dead, possibly from red tide. The remains were discovered in Sarasota County yesterday morning. If it turns out red tide is to blame, they would be the 10th and 11th dolphins to die of the algae bloom in the area. Haley Rutger of Moat Marine Labs in Sarasota says scientists are conducting necropsies on the dolphins. We assess what has happened to them, learn as much as we can, make sure that these animals didn't die in vain and that we can better understand what um, happened. We have to take samples to check um, and send those samples to another lab to check if red red tide exposure was a factor. Rutger says this has been one of the longest red tide algae blooms in recent history. In case you didn't know, it's been going on since November of 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that they've had uh, dolphins killed and they think Red tide might be responsible for that. Sea turtles, manatees, yeah. a, a whale shark, a goliath grouper. I mean, the, the wildlife that's, the sea life that's washing up on Gulf mm-hmm. Coast beaches has been astounding. And finally, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo will part ways with an eagle feather after apparently breaking the law by taking it from an upstate lake. Last week, Cuomo recalled being with his family on Lake Saranac and grabbing an eagle feather from the water and keeping it after the bird swooped by their canoe. But federal law says it's illegal for non-Native Americans to have eagle parts. A Cuomo, a Cuomo spokesperson says the family was unaware really? of the regulation at the time, and Cuomo will either put it back in the water or donate it to U.S. Fish and Wildlife. I mean, as long as he didn't take it off the eagle. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I think it should be fine for him to keep it. You know how many angry? Wow. I'm going to have to go home and check my feather collection. <laughs> <laughs> WFLA News Time at 7.07. Oh, this is a sad story. Read about a dozen students getting sent back to middle school over a grade mishap. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, you can get the gory details at 1025. Nobody wants to go back there. No. (laughs) Read it for yourself at 1025WFLA.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. And yes, this is Yaffe filling in for Bud from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Dial pound 250, keyword real estate. Deborah Roberts is giving us the news today. Paul is producing and Steph is screening your calls at 407-916-5400. So are the Democrats taking a lot of their voters for granted and could it hurt them in the near future? There's a reason why I'm going to say talk about that. And we also have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. And a word from Deb here in a minute on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So, the question for the half hour for any Democrats that are listening, any on the left side of the 50,000 watt front porch, do you feel like the Democratic Party is taking your vote? For granted, 
Now, the reason why I'm asking this question is because there were two articles that I saw yesterday, prominent articles, that basically accused the Democrat Party of doing this. And they're not from conservative media. They're not from the Daily Wire. One of them is from the New Republic. Here's the title of the article. Democrats are taking Latino voters for granted. The party has the money and the machinery. Why is so little of it going toward Hispanic outreach? And they use one example that is actually really interesting, and it has to do with us right here in Florida. During the month that the World Cup was broadcast on Florida's three Telemundo TV stations over the summer, there was one advertisement that stood out. It begins with Colombian, Mexican, and Brazilian fans celebrating their national teams. Then, at the end of the ad, you hear a familiar voice, but not one you would think would be on this ad. In fact, I have the ad right here. And this was the ad that played during the World Cup. It's a political ad. See if you recognize the voice at the end of this ad. El mundo está atento. Por unos días el tiempo se detiene. Cada uno con su equipo, su camiseta y bandera. Nosotros aquí en la Florida celebramos porque venimos de muchas partes. Y este gran estado es ahora nuestro hogar. Aquí nos encontramos todos unidos en el amor por este gran deporte. Soy Rick Scott. Ha llegado el momento de disfrutar que gané el mejor. Yes, that's Rick Scott at the end of that ad. Scott invested $700,000 into that ad, which aired at least once a day throughout the World Cup, reaching hundreds of thousands of Latinos across Florida. Guess who did not have an ad reaching out to them? Senator Bill Nelson. Yeah, Bill Nelson seems to think that, oh, well, he's going to get those votes anyway, so he doesn't need to reach out to them. Is the Democrat Party taking that vote for granted? If you are a Latino and you usually vote Democrat, do you feel that way? 407-916-5400. You can text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. There's a new poll out that shows that maybe the Democrats should try to go after the Latino vote. Nelson, this was uh, according to, let me see uh, who has the poll here. I had it here. Um, a poll released yesterday the Hispanic by the Hispanic Federation found that Bill Nelson had 44% of support from Latinos. Rick Scott, however, has 41% support from Latinos broken down by region. The survey showed Nelson has 52% of support among Latinos in Orlando while 32% supported Scott by contrast, 49% of Latinos in Miami backed Scott and only 35% of Latinos supported Bill Nelson in the Miami area. Are the Democrats taking that vote for granted? Yes. Could it hurt them? 
Yes. The fact that Rick Scott is within three points of Bill Nelson with Latinos in Florida and 15% are still undecided shows that there is an opportunity, which Rick Scott has seen, for Republicans to get the Latino vote. Believe it or not, it's there. Now, hopefully they won't do it by pandering too much and giving getting rid of their principles. Sometimes that can happen as well. But it shows that maybe that article in the New Republic is right. Democrats are taking these voters for granted. There's another column that I found that goes to another group of Democrat voters who are really not too happy with the Democrat Party anymore, and there's a reason why. We're going to get to that, and we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So I've been talking about how I just found it really interesting that I found two different columns from not not Republicans or conservatives, but from columnists who usually support Democrats who are saying the Democrat Party has taken too many of those voters for granted. One of the reasons I bring this up is because I keep hearing about the blue wave. Now, there is a good chance that the Democrats will take the House of Representatives. History shows that. But the fact that you have columnists coming out and saying to Democrats, hey, it's not as big as you think. Your party has problems, too. I find very interesting. Now, the Democrat Party just figures they're going to be anti-Trump, 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 and that's going to work. We'll see what happens. Really depends on the area, I guess. But we talked about in the last segment how Latino voters in Florida, a lot of them are voting for Rick Scott. And some in the New Republic had an article that said, Democrats are taking Latino votes for granted. Well, I found another column out of the New Orleans newspaper out there by Tim Morris. This is what he says about the Democrats maybe not reaching out to another part of their base. He said Democrats were once known as the party of rural families, union members, and the white working class. It is now associated with the coastal elites socialists, the resistance, and all manner of identity politics. The point is that Democrats have turned their backs on the voters who once lifted them to consistent congressional majorities and occasionally into the White House. They may win in dozens of districts scattered across the country in the fall and maybe even a blue wave election, but they still haven't come to terms with the fact that thousands of their former supporters believe that a wealthy former reality TV star, casino mogul, and New York real estate developer understands America's working class better than Democrats. And I think that's true. says, whatever the Russians did, it was Republican Donald Trump's connection to the heartland of America, workers and families, that pushed him to an electoral college victory over Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton in 2016. 2016. I think he's right. There's a lot of talk of why Trump won, why Trump won. A big reason why he won the electoral college vote is because he was able to win traditionally blue states in the heartland of America, traditional Democrat voters, by either voting for Trump or at least not voting for Hillary Clinton. And he points out that the Democrats are so focused on identity politics, so focused on the resistance, 
that they're not trying to reach out to those voters either. So they're not trying to reach out to the Latino voters, and they're not trying to reach out to their traditional core base. Maybe the Democrats are in a lot more trouble than we think, especially when people on the left are pointing this out, not people on the right usually. Very interesting. Now, Paul, this is something that you and I have actually talked about before. And when I was you know, mentioning this and asking, are Democrats taking their voters for granted? You had said, yes, you were nodding in there. Oh, why absolutely. Is, why is that? I definitely think they're taking their voters for granted because they just assume in their minds that Trump's going to keep making it easy on them. Um, in their minds, they just feel like as long as Trump does what everybody is screaming outrage about on our side, we'll be fine. I also think there's another component to this as well, though. Mm-hmm. I also think in a lot of areas, the Democrats are trying not to screw it up for themselves. If they just let it be the way it is and let's try not to lose, try not to lose instead of trying to win. Right. Talk about that in sports sometimes. Yeah. If they just (laughs) let it be the way it is and let the outrage for Trump stand and if they can get in through there, they're fine. But if they try to jump in the game, they might mess it up for themselves. Maybe. I mean, from what I've seen, their their goal is to be anti-Trump and they think that's going to win. Yes. Maybe it will. Maybe it will work in some areas. But the fact that I found two columns prominently out there shows that maybe it's not as for sure. And you and I have talked about this before. I think there is a place where some Democratic voters are going to look up and say, "Okay, why am I even what am I doing here? Like, what, what is the point of me being a Democrat? But I don't think that happens until after Trump's reign as president. Really? Because I believe... as far as but, Democrats but the are thing concerned, is, a lot of those people, even if they don't vote for Trump, they might just not vote like they did in 2016, which can help Republicans. Say, that doesn't necessarily affect governor's races and things like that. But as far as like the House or anything that's connected to the federal government, I think it's going to be okay for them. Hmm. Interesting. I'm, I'm not so sure. The Democrats have shown a history of not paying close enough attention to governor's races. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens, but the fact that those two articles came out yesterday shows maybe they're in a lot more trouble than people want to admit. All right, Deborah Roberts is about to join me in the studio. She's going to talk about the fact that prosecutors filed manslaughter charges in a stand-your-ground case in southern Florida, and parents buy a teacher a car when they find out she takes the bus to school. It's 7.30 here on Good Morning Orlando. So it seems here, Deb, that you're going to get to a good story, uh... Some good news for a, a teacher. Yeah, exactly. So I can't wait to hear that story, but you also have to update us on uh, the hard news. And uh, what do you have for us? Well, the big story that we've been kind of hanging on here in Florida, which is yeah. the latest controversial Stand Your Ground case. And it turns out the man who said he feared for his life when he shot and killed Marquise McLaughlin outside a Clearwater convenience store last month is now charged with manslaughter. At the time, Pinellas County Sheriff Bob Gualtieri said he couldn't arrest the shooter, Michael Draca, because there was a claim of self-defense under the state's stand-your-ground law. State Attorney Bernie McCabe, though, announced yesterday that prosecutors reviewed everything and filed the charge they think they can prove. The 48-year-old Draca was booked into the Pinellas County Jail and was being held in lieu of $100,000 bail. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Okay, now on to the good news for the day. An Alabama teacher would take multiple buses every morning to get to school. So when the parents of one of her students found out, what did they do? They knew they had to help her out. 
Courtney Adelaide, who's the CEO and founder of The Main Choice, a million-dollar company that makes vitamin-infused hair care products, went to a local car dealership and bought a brand-new 2018 Ford Focus. Wow. Isn't that brand nice? Brand-new. Brand-new. Adelie and her husband and their 11-year-old daughter showed up at the school and surprised the dedicated teacher with the car, sharing a video of the touching moment on Instagram. The teacher, of course, as you would expect, broke down in tears and hugged Adelaide and her husband when they told her the car was hers. Adelaide then shared a second video showing the teacher happily recounting all the things she will no longer have to deal with now that she can drive herself to school, like no more sitting in the cold, no more sitting in the rain, no more riding the bus, no more waiting on someone to come and pick her up, no more of any of those things. You know, that's a really great story. We hear so many stories of parents being upset at teachers and teachers having a hard time with parents. And now you have a story of a parent really showing their appreciation. Yeah, exactly. And we hear often about teachers helping students, but we forget that more often than not, the teachers need the help just as much as their students. Many teachers working two and three jobs just to try and pay their bills. Yeah. Well, there's some hope for all of us, though, because Uber is one step closer to getting its fleet of flying cars off the ground. Really? Literally? Yes, literally. Last year, Uber unveiled its future plan for flying taxis. Now, the ride-hailing company's aviation program called Uber Air is teaming up with the University of Texas and the U.S. Army Research Laboratory to make that a reality. So... What do they look like? Are they like drone-looking things? No no word yet, because the team is going to design new rotor technology that's needed to help the vehicles take flight with cruising altitudes of 1,000 to 2,000 feet and speeds up to 200 miles per hour. See, I feel like something like that could really work in condensed big cities like funny New York. Should, funny you should say that. The collaboration is expected to take about 18 months, and then Uber says testing will follow shortly afterwards in Dallas and Los Angeles, and riders could potentially use the service by 2023. Not that Mm. far away. The the only problem with that is it would have to be regulated in some ways (laughs) to prevent accidents if you have so many of these in the air. So funny. It's almost like you read the story I'm reading because, it, yeah. that. The, oh, really? The project, <laughs> I actually did not read it. No, you didn't. But the project, that is exactly it. That's the one thing that could, not the one thing, but one of the biggest things that could stand in the way is the regulatory issues and other logistical obstacles as it progresses. Because like you said, you know, we've already got air traffic control trying to keep track of all of the, you know, registered aircraft much less yeah. flying taxis. Oh, and then, you know, Amazon wants to use drones to deliver packages, so that'll be in the air. Domino's delivering pizzas in the air. Yeah, I mean, I love all this new technology. I think it will ultimately be for the good, but it's going to take some time to work out the infrastructure, I think. Oh, without a doubt, but still, I'll jump on an Uber Air and get to work in under three minutes. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, li- I like that idea. That would be awesome. How much is it going to cost, though? That's the question. Yeah, true. I mean, it's, it will be very expensive to begin with. I was going to say, more than any one of us can afford, but dreaming is free. <laughs> dreaming is free. Huh? Dreaming is free. It's a famous line from a Blondie song. It's before your time. <laughs> she must have been poor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. When you first start out in rock and roll, you tend to be broke. Makes for a good story and a good book later on. Yeah.
All right, is that all for us, Deb? Well, I'm already running the clock out, Mike, so yeah. I'll be back with more fun stuff at 8.30. All right, sounds good. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Yes, and this is Yappy filling in for Bud. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Beyond Reason R. You can also uh, check out my podcast, Beyond Reason Radio, and me on the Florida Roundtable. Just search for Beyond Reason Network on iHeart or search Beyond Reason Radio on iHeartRadio. Or search for me on iTunes or anywhere that podcasts are available. You can go to my website, beyondreasonradio.com. We have Paul producing today and Steph screening your calls at 407-916-5400. So uh, I found this headline very interesting from Matt Walsh on the Daily Wire. This is what he says. It is now offensive for actors to act. What in the world is he talking about? Well, according to a new report, Disney, for the first time ever, Walt Disney, will feature an openly gay character in a movie. The upcoming film titled The Jungle Cruise and based on a theme park ride is being billed as a turning point for the company. Now, this is not the first time they've had a gay character in the latest Beauty and the Beast movie. It was obvious that that one of the characters in that movie was gay, but it wasn't open. He wasn't openly gay. Now I know. I was confused about what this was. Keep going. Okay. So you would think that this would cause a lot of blowback from conservatives, from religious conservatives and Christians and so forth. And there, I'm sure there's been some of that. Although, I mean, if you talk to most religious people, they're just saying, look, the culture is going away from Christianity, and that's just the way it is. Christians have to be uh, holy but separate. But that's not where most of the blowback is coming from, believe it or not. In fact, the outrage is coming from the left. Now, why would the so you think the left would be praising this, right? Well, no, because they say it's problematic that Jack Whitehall, the actor hired to play the gay, the gay man, is not himself a gay man. He's not even slightly gay, which is bad because even a gay actor forced may not be gay enough to deserve the honor of portraying homosexuality on screen. This isn't the only case of this, by the way. The actress Ruby Rose... She was also recently forced to leave Twitter to escape criticism of her casting as a lesbian Batwoman because she is a lesbian, but not lesbian enough. So now you have people, you have actors, which is their job to act, which is their job to literally be something they are not in real life. They can't act unless they fit the exact criteria for identity politics. Matt Walsh writes, he goes, this is insane. Never mind the glaring double standard of crying foul over something like this while celebrating, while celebrating when gays are cast in straight roles, women are cast in male roles and so forth. You know, I've seen the show, uh, how I met your mother. It's one of my favorite sitcoms. 
One of the actors there is gay in real life, but he plays a straight man on that show. Not just a straight man, but a womanizer. A womanizer, yeah. Should I be offended that that's happening? I've never been offended at that in my entire life. Why? Because he's acting. His job is to portray a character, not to be himself. I tend to agree that this is going a little too far. It's funny that you would think, and Disney probably came out and thought, man, the you know these people are going to love this. The LBGTQ crowd will love this. And a lot of them hate it <laughs> because it's not gay enough. Where does all of this lead? How crazy is all of this going to get? Paul, you look very intent on... You're just, you're just, it just baffled. doesn't make it. Yeah. It just doesn't make any <laughs> sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Like how is Ruby Rose not gay enough? It's, how much more gay does she need to be? I don't, there's degrees of gayness. Well, and, because she, I think she might like both men and women. That's not, that's not now forget that there have been, like I said, there have been straight actors in the past who have played gay roles. Yep, I Harvey milk sure with that movie milk. Nobody yep. cared back then, but all of a sudden it's, it's never enough. Um, <laughs> he goes, of course, these points are somewhat beside the point. Anyway, the real point is that leftists are once again, dissatisfied with their own success. They have handed another significant cultural victory. They've been handed that. Um, and they still find some pedantic reason to turn up their noses. <laughs> it's kind of true. Kind of goes to, uh, so they're like a football team that wins 70 to three and then cries that the game was rigged against them because the other team was able to put up a field goal. Nah, I think he's exactly right. Definitely a uh, beyond reason story. You can't. We need help. <laughs> yeah, I, I need help, man. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. All right, we have the Russian Morning Update, and we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud's on vacation this week, but he will be back next week. Uh, we were talking about how there is going to be the first openly gay character in a Disney movie and the left is upset because the actor portraying that character is not gay himself. So that means apparently he's not allowed to act. One person texted in said uh, you can text it to 3680 we're staring at and data rates apply said does that mean the walking dead must now hire real zombies? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. That's exactly what that means. We have to hire real dead people. <laughs> well, you know, if he was gay, then he would no longer be acting and then they couldn't pay him. Oh yeah. Cause he, he would just be, be just being. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By the way, the reason why Ruby Rose was attacked because she's supposed to be playing a lesbian Batwoman, but she's gender fluid. And because she, I know what, the, yeah. I don't know what that really means, but if she says she's gender fluid and because she's gender fluided, she's not gay enough. So that's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's all you can say to that. I mean, what else can you say? Is it time to go to the top of the hour yet? <laughs> Just unbelievable stuff. Yes, it is time to go to the top of the hour with Deborah Roberts, who will have the latest news. And we have the texting contest. You listen for the keyword after the news, and you can have a, you have a chance 
to win a trip to Las Vegas. It's 7.59 on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. It's good to be here on a Tuesday morning here on the 50,000 Waterfront Porch where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, prosecutors file manslaughter charges in a stand-your-ground case and weather is impacting firefighters battling those California wildfires. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So is it time to abolish the presidency? I'll give you my take next. And good Tuesday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 102.5. Prosecutors in Pinellas County have filed manslaughter charges against Michael Draca, the man who shot and killed Marquise McLaughlin in a dispute over a parking space. There was outrage when the sheriff refused to make an arrest after the shooting, citing Florida's stand-your-ground law. Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam says he supports the Pinellas Pasco State Attorney's decision to prosecute Draca. The process has played itself out, and the right thing is happening, and I support the state attorney for what he's doing. Putnam says he's open to making adjustments to the law to give more clarity to police, but the Republican gubernatorial candidate says stand your ground is good for Florida, and he'll fight to protect the law. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Marquise McLaughlin's mother says she can start healing now that the man who killed her son has been arrested. McLaughlin's mother said yesterday she's been in a daze since her son died, and McLaughlin's father says he wants Draca sentenced to at least 30 years. Overseas, London's counterterrorism unit is leading the investigation after a man drove his car into security barriers outside Parliament during the morning rush hour. Police arrested the driver, and two people were hospitalized with non-life-threatening injuries. In fact, one has already been released. Back stateside, a flash flood watch is out for much of the northeast after heavy rain that started over the weekend continued falling yesterday. A flash flood watch issued Monday covers Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. The rain has turned roads into fast-moving streams and neighborhoods into swamps. More than eight inches of rain fell on the Boston suburb of Lynn, Massachusetts over the weekend. And it's not just here stateside that we're having a problem. This is just breaking news out of Genoa, Italy, where a violent storm rushed through the area. Mike, you have the story up and literally collapsed a bridge, trapping several vehicles underneath that collapse. Yeah, I updated a little bit of it in the last half hour. An Italian bridge in Genoa, like you said, Several vehicles plummeted to the ground as a raised highway in Genoa crumbled during a sudden and violent storm, sending rescuers on a desperate search for survivors in an incident Italian officials said was likely an immense tragedy. About a 650-feet section of the Mirandi Bridge, which is part of the A-10 highway, collapsed over an industrial zone. Mm. About 10 vehicles were involved though officials did not immediately confirm the number of casualties and injuries. And there's video on Twitter and everything already out of this. It's catastrophic. A big bridge. It really, really is. It really is. It makes the FIU uh, pedestrian bridge collapse that we suffered here in Florida look like nothing. And that was devastating on its own. Very devastating. So we're going to continue to follow that breaking story, but we're going to take you out west where hot and dry conditions along with high winds are impacting wildfires across Florida. Tom Porter with the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection says the state has been seeing an increase in size and damaging wildfires in California for about the last 15 years. The new normal uh, that the governor has, has coined for us in California is really becoming the normal. And it's a, a very difficult situation that we find ourselves in. 
Thousands of firefighters continue to battle numerous wildfires across the state. In the meantime, California fire officials say the Mendocino Complex fire has killed a firefighter from Utah. It's the first death attributed to the largest wildfire in the Golden State's history. The two fires forming the Mendocino Complex have scorched more than 349,000 acres in beautiful Northern California. Authorities believe the pilot who crashed a small plane into a house in Payson, Utah yesterday morning intentionally flew into his own home. The Utah County Sheriff's Office says 47-year-old Dwayne Yowd was arrested for domestic violence the previous night and later released. Police say his wife and son were in the home south of Salt Lake City when Yowd crashed into the house, killing himself. Yowd's wife and son escaped unharmed. Oh, that's the good news. At least they were able to escape. I mean... They could have been they could have been killed themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And that apparently was what he was after. And finally, tributes to Aretha Franklin are pouring in. It was confirmed yesterday the Detroit native Queen of Soul is gravely ill and now in hospice care. Fans from around the world have taken to social media to pray for Franklin and to post memories. Last night at Ford Field in Detroit, Beyonce and Jay-Z dedicated their concert to Franklin, thanking her for her beautiful music. WFLA News Time, it's 8.08, and you can read about a report saying Google tracks users even if they turn off their location history. You can get the details for yourself at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. So is it time to abolish the presidency? There's a reason why I'm asking that question, and we're going to get to that this this half hour. But first, your chance to win a trip to Las Vegas and the iHeartRadio Music Festival. What you want to do is listen closely and text the keyword to 200-200. That's coming up in just a minute after a word from Deb. And after that, we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic coming up. To the chief. We all have heard this song before. So when the president enters an event or a room, a lot of cases, you hear this song, Hail to the Chief. But there are some people who want to do away with that song. Well, not really the song. It's not that they hate the song. They hate it musically. But there are some people now calling to totally get rid of the presidency, the office of the president. The reason why I'm bringing this up is I was on uh, Real Clear Politics, and they have some good articles sometimes, and I saw a headline that said, "Let's, it's time to abolish the presidency. And I was intrigued because, you know, I'm thinking, oh, maybe this is a small government guy who, a libertarian or something, and maybe he's making an argument that the government is too strong and we need to limit its power. Of course, then I made the mistake of actually reading the article and <laughs> found out that it's um, just a Trump bashing article. The article headlined by Tina Dupi, uh, I Actually, I don't know if it's how it's pronounced. It's D-U-P-U-Y. Dupi, right? Dupe? I don't know. Donald Trump. This is the headline. Donald Trump broke the presidency. It's time to get rid of the job altogether. And it goes over all these things of why this person doesn't like Trump. And because of that, we need to get rid of the presidency. I was really disappointed 
when I actually went through the article, I'm not going to bore you with everything in the article. Because I was actually hoping they would make a really good argument of maybe why the, the office is too powerful now and we need to limit its power or get rid of it. That's what a small government conservative like me wants to hear. Not that, oh, well, I don't like this president, so we need to get rid of the presidency. Uh, that's kind of stuff bores me. But I have to say the idea is intriguing because I will say this. The office of the president is way more powerful now than it was intended to be. It really is. And any small government conservative should recognize that. And while I, you know, most of my problems with Trump as president are civility. I, he's, I wish he would bring more civility to the office. I don't think he's really changed the office that much in terms of the power of the presidency. I don't really see that. So the idea we need to get rid of it now because of Trump. No, the presidency has been powerful for a while now. That being said, I think there is something to say. Maybe we should start limiting the power of that office. I'm going to get more details on why in a sec, but I want to take a call here. Let's go to Brad in Winter Park. Uh, Brad, what's your take on this? Hey, uh, I like uh, when you use the term small uh, government conservative. Basically, I call that a Reagan conservative. Mm-hmm. And um, I like everything you're saying. I, I just want to point out, though, this is just a pattern that uh, obviously we're seeing nationally in conjunction with the new Democrat Party, which is hard left, and, of course, all your mainstream media. And starting with abolishing ICE. You know, like you said, getting rid of the presidency, open borders. These things used to be in the closet. Now they're brazenly opening, talking about it in the open. And so I have to think that come November, the American people are going to say a resounding no to this. Otherwise, guys, we're in for a, a stark reality. But I'm optimistic in thinking they understand that big government socialism is intrinsically authoritarian and it's taking us in the wrong direction away from liberty honestly i really believe that with all my heart well brad i appreciate your call and i completely 100 percent agree with you that socialism would take us in the wrong direction and that's why i was disappointed in this article because i really wanted something that would make the argument based on you know we want smaller government but it's not it's just an anti-trump thing they don't really person running this really doesn't want a limited government they want like he says more of a social they want to change it for towards socialism which will not help fix the problem i want to talk more about this in detail in a sec we have orlando's news weather and traffic in just two minutes news radio 1025 wfla and this is good morning orlando from the front gate realty studio dial pound 250 keyword real estate so i was talking about how i saw an article where the headline over you know yesterday the headline said It's time to abolish the presidency. And I was interested in this because I'm always interested in an argument for limited government and curtailing the power of government. And I thought maybe that would be the argument in this article. Unfortunately, when I read the article, most of it is just criticizing Trump. I don't like Trump. And Trump's the reason why we need to get rid of it because Trump's bad and setting bad precedents, yada, yada, yada. But I do want to say there is something to the idea of the president having too much power. And what this made me think of 
is, as many of you know, I co-host the Florida Roundtable, which plays on this station, uh, uh, 9 p.m. Saturday nights, but it plays across Florida. It's syndicated across Florida. A couple months ago on the Florida Roundtable, we interviewed a guy by the name of Joseph Califano. He has a new book out called Our Damaged Democracy, We the People Must Act. Now, this is a lifelong Democrat. This is someone who worked under the Carter administration. Lifelong Democrat. Yet in this book, he talks about how the main problem with our democracy today is the fact that the federal government has gotten way too large and way too powerful. It's a lifelong Democrat saying this, but he sees this now. Well, we interviewed him on the Florida Roundtable, like I said, and I wanted to play some clips of him because we asked him about the office of the presidency. What's wrong with the office of the presidency today? And he talked about why it's too powerful. He gave three reasons why the presidency has gone way out of control. Here's the first reason. Let's take the presidency for a moment. We have, we have a, a colossal concentration of power there. Uh, over the last 50 years, uh, millions, the presidents have sent millions of people into combat. Uh, 100,000 have been killed. A million have been wounded. There's been no declaration of war. And uh, for a variety of reasons, presidents don't want it. They are very disdainful about the Congress on this subject. The power to declare war is given by the Constitution exclusively to the Congress. But the Congress doesn't want to get involved either. They've sort of ceded their power. If you, if you look at the Iranian deal uh, with, with respect to nuclear weapons, uh, basically the Senate pretzeled itself to figure out a way to avoid any recorded votes for or against it. All right, so the first reason is the fact that we've given him a lot of power on war, and I think he makes a lot of sense there. Here is the second reason. Secondly, uh, the president issues uh, probably 20 or more regulations for every law the Congress passes. Those regulations are like law. Uh, Violating them can, can impose civil penalties, in some cases even criminal penalties. And they have the power to supersede state law because the federal constitution, the national constitution, gives the national government the power to supersede state law. It was always thought that was when Congress passed a law and everyone was aboard, but now it's when the president issues a regulation. All right, and the third reason here is also really interesting. Go ahead and play that for me, Paul. And lastly, I would say for the presidency, the presidents uh, over the last, uh, particular last decade or 15 years, have created a state media, a state-run media in the White House. You have WhiteHouse.gov, you have YouTube, you have uh, Internet, you have interactive Internet, all running 24 hours a day, hundreds of people to do it. I estimate uh, at least 400. Uh, and and, and uh, there's, no, there's no organization like that in the country. That kind of a state-run media is more typical of a monarchy or, or even a uh, dictatorship. So the last one doesn't concern me quite as much, but he makes a good point. You know, that's staffed by 400 people. He talks about how the presidency nowadays has way too much power, and it's not a Democrat or Republican thing. It has been growing steadily for years, for decades. Under Democrats, under Republicans. 
in the book, which is really interesting, he talks about how the staff under the president has grown under every administration. It's grown bigger and bigger and bigger. And the money they spend is bigger and bigger and bigger. So I think there is something to the fact that the president has too much power. I don't think the solution is to abolish the presidency. What really needs to happen is Congress needs to take back more of their power, which they've given up to the president, and the states also need to take back more of their power. He actually talks about that in the interview. You can check it out. It's on the website, 1025WFLA.com, and in his book as well. But It's interesting. That's what I was going to ask you, actually. I was going to ask you uh, basically a chicken or the egg kind of thing. Is it that Congress has decided hey, we're just going to back whatever our side of the president says. You know, so if it's a Democratic president, Democratic Congress, Republican president, Republican Congress, we just go with whatever he says. Or is it that we as the people are looking towards the president as the great leader as opposed to our representative Congress and holding them accountable for what they should be doing? It's both, and it's actually one more thing. It's easier for Congress to give that that power. It is. It takes work to have the power, and it's just easier for them to give it to the president. All right, Deborah Roberts uh, is in the studio. She's mad at me because we're running late at the bottom of the hour again for her newscast. (laughs) So we're going to get to that next. It's eight thirty-one on Good Morning Orlando. So of course, Deborah Roberts found a cat story for me. A story about a Greek cat sanctuary which you're going to get to in a minute, but you have some other news for us this morning as well. Yeah, well, first of all, we want to start with breaking news from overseas where we have a devastating bridge collapse in the city of Genoa, Italy. At least 11 people have been reported killed so far. Of course, this just broke about 30 minutes ago, so it's a still relatively very new story. They're still working to uh, find more survivors and or victims in the rubble. We do have the good news that one person has been rescued alive. Good. From that bridge collapse after it uh, gave way in Italy this morning. We'll continue to bring you updates on that story as well as the big story that's been uh, hanging around in Florida for at least a month. And that's changed because prosecutors have rejected Michael Drake's claim of self-defense in the fatal shooting of Marquise McLaughlin in Clearwater. He has now been arrested and charged with manslaughter. NRA lobbyist Marion Hammer is hoping this will take some of the politics out of the case. This has become a political issue and we need to leave politics out of the day-to-day actions of law enforcement. Democrats have seized on the shooting to attack Florida's stand-your-ground law, but Hammer says they shot themselves in the foot by demanding a special session to repeal it. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Mike, you're not going anywhere. I just wanted to let you know in case you were thinking of applying for this job because it's tailor-made for you. A cat sanctuary on a Greek island needs someone to look after the cats. The woman who owns God's Little People Cat Rescue on the island of Syros is offering a salary and all utilities paid housing overlooking the Aegean Sea to take care of her 55 cats. Is there a website I can go to? to... (laughs) If there is, I'm not telling you. (laughs) She says she needs someone who can trap or handle a feral or quote-unquote non-sociable cat. This is a lot of cats, though. I'm not going to lie. 55 is a lot. Yeah, that is certainly. Well, that means a cat lover who's knowledgeable in cat psychology and who has real cat whispering skills. Because 55 cats, all it takes is one feral cat and it will feel like you're being attacked by 55 (laughs) cats. Oh, gang up on you. Oh, yeah. 
Well, more than 200 people have applied for the job uh, offer that's been on Facebook since last week. At last check, it's still open. Now, where is this job? This is on the Greek island of Syros. So do I have to know how to speak a different language? Doesn't say anything about that. Just says you get a salary and all utilities paid housing overlooking the Aegean Sea if you can see it because you have to look after 55 cats. Do I put my cat as a reference? How does this work? (laughs) I am giving you no further details. (laughs) Hey, back stateside in New York, Hempstead's tax receiver offered pet therapy to people who felt stressed out over having to pay up. Not a bad idea. For three days, Don Clavin says taxpayers found dogs and cats to pet while dropping off a check for their property taxes. (laughs) That is a good idea. It is. They were brought in by the town of Hempstead's animal shelter and were also adoptable. Clavin says they were also able to reap a health dividend by taking home a furry family member, citing studies that show owning a pet helps lower your stress, anxiety, and heart rate. I was trying to think of other situations in life where a cat would make it better. A doctor's appointment? Yeah, I could see. Or the dentist. The dentist, the DMV. I think there should be a cat on my lap as the dentist is cleaning my teeth. <clears throat> I'm going to go out on that. <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're not going to want to do that because it's not fun to hear your skin sound like bubble wrap when their claws go into it. <laughs> That's a good point. Pop, 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 pop. What, what's the matter, Paul? Nothing. Uh, he, he's just not a cat person. He hates animals. I don't hate animals. <laughs> you do, too. You're just a big meanie. Do not. You're just a big meanie. Dogs are wonderful. So are cats. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they, hates, they are. He hates so animals. So are squirrels. <laughs> We've got the Port St. Lucie Police Department posted a photo of an adorable squirrel standing on top of a tra- patrol car's windshield. The caption reads, squirrel tries to carjack PSLPD officer while he was parked in a convenience store parking lot. Squirrel got away after fleeing the scene. Is there a manhunt for the squ- or squirrel hunt? I think there for is. For the squirrel? <laughs> I think there is. Wanted posters posted? All right, finally, some good news. National Creamsicle Day today. Oh, nice. Do you like creamsicles? I mean, I I think they're okay. I'm never like, ooh, I want a creamsicle, but I, I don't am hate right. them. You, that, you said that this morning. You said, oh, my God, I want a creamsicle. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had one in so long. I can just taste it now. Those are your exact words. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, creamsicle <laughs> you popsicles have no recording. are a combination of vanilla ice cream and fruit juice. Oh, there's always a recording. <laughs> the first one was made in 1905. The classic creamsicle flavor is orange and vanilla. There's also grape, blue raspberry, lime, cherry, and blueberry. So it's going to be a hot 92-degree day today. So celebrate National Creamsicle Day. I did have sherbet the other day. Mm. For some reason, I bought that at Publix. I know that's like an old people thing, but (laughs) it was good. Wow. (laughs) It was really. Old people thing. Isn't that the butterscotch candies in the glass dish on the table that have been there for 30 years? original. There you go. I don't know. I had I had a bunch of sherbet. It was it was amazing actually. Awesome. Did you eat it while sitting in your rocking chair out on your front porch at three in the morning? <laughs> I did with my shotgun and yelling at kids going to school and looking for that squirrel that tried to carjack a police officer. Go home and put some of that sherbet and some Seven Up or some Sprite. Oh, that sounds, Make you a nice summertime float. Sounds amazing. Yeah. And go hang out at the apartment complex pool. Is there anything else we can add to that? <laughs> Oh, that yeah. Does, <laughs> that does sound amazing. All right, you know what else sounds amazing? The Sound Judgment Game is coming up next for a great prize. You can call 407-916-5400. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. 
And it is that time once again for you to have a chance to win a great prize, the Sound Judgment Game. And we have a good prize today that is good for the whole family. And Steph is going to tell you what that prize is, Steph. That's right. So today we have a four-pack of tickets to Disney on Ice presents Mickey's Search Party at the Amway Center happening September 7th through the 9th. Tickets are on sale now. Visit 1025WFLA.com, keyword events for more info. So in the news update there, I was talking about the fact that Omarosa's new tell-all book is out. Well, I have some audio here because Omarosa, as you know, was a part of the Apprentice TV show, which Trump used to be the host of and used to be on and used to, you know, you're fired. Well, I have audio here of Trump firing Omarosa one time on the show, but I want you to use your sound judgment and tell me how many times did Omarosa appear on how many seasons, I'm sorry, how many seasons did Omarosa appear on The Apprentice? I adore you. We've had tremendous success together. You helped make me a star. Dennis, she helped make me a star. But Omarosa, you're fired. All right, that was him one time firing Omarosa. 407-916-5400. You can wait for someone to get a wrong answer. How many seasons, different seasons, did Omarosa appear on The Apprentice? Let's go to line four. Line four, how many seasons? I believe it was three. Three, that's right. Exactly right. Well, Sandy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Ken in Orlando. Ken in Orlando. So did you just take a guess or you maybe heard it on the news or something? I, I heard she got fired three times on the on it. And uh, so that, yeah. that was I just threw that out for getting fired three times. Maybe she appeared only three times. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, she was fired all three times she appeared on The Apprentice. Once it was The Apprentice, once it was The Celebrity Apprentice. But all times, yeah, it was her getting fired on The Apprentice. Ken in Orlando, are you excited about that prize? Yes, take the grandkids. Oh, perfect. (laughs) That is perfect. All right, Ken, well, I'll put you on hold. You are our sound judgment winner, and congratulations on that. Another happy contest winner on WFLA. Yeah, and I talked about yesterday how I am one of those people that did not watch one episode of that, of The Apprentice. Not, Not one. I didn't have anything against it. Or against Trump or anybody else at the time, I just really don't like yeah, reality yeah. TV shows. Well, for me, it also it just didn't fall on my radar. Out of the things that I was watching, yeah. it wasn't one of the ones that I went to pick up. I mean, a lot of people liked it. It was very popular. A lot of people oh, heard yeah. about it, but I just wasn't. There's only one reality TV show that I like. What's that? Pawn Stars on History really? Channel. Okay. Pawn Stars is a good show. But that's because they add a lot of history to it. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really like the History Channel that much anymore because there's not a whole lot of history there. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, when they have history, it's good, but yeah. then they have a lot of other stuff. You're right. But um, Pawn Stars, yeah, people bring in their stuff to Pawn, but there's always like, there's like Civil War era stuff, and they have to bring in an expert to see if it's a legitimate item, and that's how they make it work, and I find that really interesting, but most reality TV is just, just bores me. All right, so yesterday... I did the Ask Yaffe Anything hour, the 8 o'clock hour yesterday on yesterday's show. Paul had a question for me. Well, actually, it was just a question in general, and we ran out of time, but I want to give him a chance to ask it 
in just two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFM. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. I will be filling in tomorrow as well. And then Mark Logus will be filling in Thursday, Friday, and Monday. And then Bud will be back after that. He's taking a much-deserved vacation. So yesterday during the 8 o'clock hour, usually on Mondays during the 8 o'clock hour, we do Open Mind Monday. Well, yesterday I did it a little different. and I, was, I made it an hour where you could ask Yaffe anything, his take on anything, or just a random question. And Paul, our producer today, he was going to ask a question, which I found interesting, but we ran out of time. So I wanted to give you a chance to ask this question now. I think it's vitally important, actually. Well, yeah, my question is, why do people feel the urge? What motivates them? What is the uh, responsibility? They feel this obligation to post pictures of their children on the first (laughs) day of school. And I'm not hating against the pictures. I know yes, plenty of people want to see the You're babies. Totally Ooh, the it. babies. We see the babies. And that's great. But <laughs> I just, I've never understood how it became a thing. It's a huge thing. And everyone listening right now who has a Facebook account knows exactly what we're talking Absolutely. about. You know you saw at least 42 pictures <laughs> of little children right? you've never met before just standing there like, okay, I'm on my way to school again. Yeah, okay. Now- I had to. I put this on Facebook. I got a lot of reaction. I had to put the caveats for monumental occasions. You know, kindergarten, first day of middle school, first day of high school, prom, graduation, homecoming, things like that. I get it, but just every year, the first day <laughs> yep. of school, you have to. Here are my two oh, children. Yeah. Like what? Why? I don't get it. I mean, I don't have kids, so it's hard to say. I don't necessarily get it either. Did you see that commercial? By the way, it was a for some department store or something where they get new clothes for the kids and the parents are lined up and clapping as the kids are entering the school. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to school. So maybe this is just the thing now. I I did not see that at all. Actually, no, (laughs) there's a commercial that does that. So what, what, what were the reasons they gave on your Facebook? They all tried to actually, they tried to hate and attack me because I apparently hate children and I don't understand what it's like to be a parent. Anyone that have a, you have a child. I do. One, I have a daughter. Two, you don't hate kids. You hate animals. We you know already what? had that. <laughs> we already got that straight. But what were the reasons? Uh, some people were just saying, oh, we just love, you know, I got a lot of the mommies who were like, I just love to see the babies and I love all the babies. And then people who tried to politically justify, there's so much horrible things on Facebook. It's a f- refreshing to see children headed to school. <laughs> no, that's it. And all kinds of stuff. So, But the the consensus was basically that. You know, people are trying to show off their kids. It's ex- that's what it is. It really is what it is. People see their kids as sort of an accomplishment in their life. Yeah. And they have pride in that and they show them off. That's why. And okay. that's what you do on Facebook. You it's show off. It's weird. Okay. It's just weird. Every single year, a picture of your child because they're going to school again <laughs> for 12 years straight. Yeah, it's just weird. I don't think I have. I think I have like one picture of my wife when I go on to school. All right, I appreciate you all listening to the show. I'll catch you guys tomorrow morning, and I'll end the show like Bud does. God bless you, and God bless America.